The Goal Radio Football Show. Have your say. Call 0808 17 17 700. Yes, yeah, Scotland are a win away from the European Championship finals and maybe another win away from a place in the World Cup playoffs. How good did last night's defeat of the Czech Republic feel? Let us know. And what would you like to see from one of uh, what we'd like to say, in fact, to one of the Scotland heroes of last night, Declan Gallagher. He'll be with us in the second hour of the show. In the first hour, we'll have the SPFL Chief Executive Neil Doncaster with us as the football authorities say to old firm viewers at the weekend, stay at home. We're looking uh, back on last night's Hamden euphoria. We're looking forward to Celtic against Rangers on Saturday and some other massive matches in the Premiership as well at the weekend. Plus, the Europa League is back with us next week. That's next Thursday night for Celtic and Rangers. And the lower leagues uh, are back and women, the Women's League returns as well. Uh, that's all starting with the Championship, Hearts and Dundee tomorrow night. So there is a lot going on on. There's a lot to get involved in the show about and here's Ali, how you get in touch. Give us a wee call 0808 17 17 700 to be on the phone lines. If you'd rather text 87474 go at the start of your message and also you can jump on those socials. We're always there at Go Football Show. If you've got a wee point, maybe you've got a question for Stephen Cragen, let us know. Yeah, exactly. It's Ali Defoe, it's Rob McLean and it's Stephen Cragen with us for a Thursday night. And as I say, we'll have uh, Declan Gallagher with us, second hour of the show. What a few games he's had uh, for his country, uh, sharing in uh, the joy and the delight of going eight games unbeaten, first time since the late 80s. What would you like to say to Declan of uh, Motherwell in Scotland, of course, Neil Doncaster, will be with us uh, even sooner, uh, talking about the uh, old farm match at the weekend and uh, really telling people to stay at home, go nowhere, don't uh, look, uh, don't watch the game in somebody else's home, uh, don't think about going south of the border to watch it either, with, of course, pubs in the central belt shut at the moment. Uh, we'll also have uh, former Rangers striker Andy Little with us shortly as we uh, build up to that big match at the weekend. The bookies have uh, Rangers as marginal favourites at the moment. What do you think of that? There's plenty to talk about, plenty of questions to ask and plenty of opinions to let us know all about as well. And uh, maybe Ali, worth pointing out as well that we're just two days away from the Premiership being back in business. So what are those games apart from the obvious one at the weekend? Yeah, so they obviously won 12.30 kickoff, which is currently on Sky uh, possibly changing if Nicola Sturgeon has her way. Um, Dundee United Aberdeen at Tannadice. Hamilton Ackies are taking on St Johnston at the Foy Stadium. Livingston have got Kilmarnock at the Tony Macaroni Arena. Ross County are taking on Hibs at home. Uh, that of course is at home to Ross County and St Mirren have got Motherwell all three o'clock kickoffs, and then Tuesday night if we want to jump ahead Aberdeen have got Hamilton Ackies at 7. That's that rearranged game that was uh, postponed earlier on in the season. So, last night at Hamden, Scotland won, Czech Republic nil. The only goal of the game inside six minutes uh, set up by Linda Dykes and finished off by Ryan Fraser. Uh, we are top of uh, the group now, Group B2 in the Nations League. And after the match, this was the manager, Stevie Clark. Gritty performance. First half was, was more even than the second half. They had his penned in a little bit second half. A lot of crosses, a lot of balls in the box, but we defended well. The team was good again, the shape was good, the resilience was good, the character's good. Uh, everything that we're, 
we were trying to put into the team showed tonight. We, we had good quality on counter-attack, first half especially. We have a threat going forward now. We have Lyndon Dykes does well for his up front. Ryan Fraser gives us that little bit of injection. John McGinn driving us from midfield and both wing-backs looking to get forward. So it's always better for everybody. Ah, suddenly we're feeling good about ourselves, Stephen Craig. And what do yeah. you think? And absolutely. You know, why not? You know, for, for too long, there's been such negativity around the Scotland national team. Even when they started winning some games, people said, well, it's not great to watch. We're not overly enjoying it. But if you look at Steve Clark throughout his managerial career, to turn things around, Rob, you've got to give yourself a base to build from. And people always wanted an identity. You know, what's the identity of Scotland? What are they trying to do? And having watched them over the past number of months, yes, at times they're not pleasing on the eye, but you've got to start somewhere. If you can start games not conceding goals, keeping clean sheets, building confidence, if you can nick something on the counter-attack, suddenly the belief starts to grow. And dare I say it, the Scotland players actually look as if they're enjoying it at the mm-hmm. minute, which you have to be said over the years hasn't always been the case. You know, you listen to them in after-match interviews, you see them in after-match interviews, they've got a smile on their face. And to convince players to play your way and, and to trust and believe in you, it all comes to fruition when you start winning games. When they start to win games and start to see light at the end of the tunnel, they turn up for international camps and they think, right, you know, we know what we're doing, we know what the system is, we know what the setup is, we know how we're going to play and we know we've got a chance of winning games. And suddenly before they even arrive, they're arriving with a positive frame of mind and that transpires onto the pitch. And, you know, they lost players through uh, COVID, they lost players through injury, but they still had enough to go and win some games, some big games. And um, moving forward, listen, they've got the huge game next month, no doubt about it. The biggest game, I was looking back, I'm trying to think, 2007 against Italy, mm. potentially yeah. Hamden Park when yeah. Panucci scored the late winner. Yeah. That was probably the last never real... a f- Never a free kick. No, no, not. Probably as... Uh, as close as they've been for a number of years and this is a huge game for them but they suddenly go into it there's optimism again listen Northern Ireland had it for years where it was easy to write negative headlines it was easy to you know have throwaway comments and put the players down and, and, and disparaging comments about people and then eventually the players had to turn it around and Scotland have had to do that they've had the bide of time the players have to turn it around they have to win games they have to bring positivity and optimism back and I think they've certainly done that and even in the space of a week the change around yeah. has been dramatic because uh, because that game against Israel which went to the penalty shootout I mean we could just have forgotten about the two hours that went before because it was pretty miserable stuff uh, from, from mm-hmm. both teams it was poor 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 quality but, but in the space of a week how Scotland have evolved you know, I said, I think we spoke previously about that burden of trying to get the nation to a major competition. And last Thursday night was never going to be a beautiful game because of the pressures, because of what the prize was at the end of it. It's almost sometimes thinking about semi-finals and people say semi-finals were awful or finals sometimes of, of, of cup competitions aren't great. But people only remember the winners. And that was going to be the important thing for Scotland last weekend was, or sorry, last Thursday, get over that hurdle. You know, it should be exciting, it should be enthralling to play for your country. But just that focus and pressure on that game, knowing what was at stake for both countries, and because they knew each other inside out, they've played each other so many times against Israel. So just getting the win, getting through, Rob. And suddenly, I'd imagine on Friday morning, there was a, a huge weight lifted from the players' shoulders. They're almost now suddenly looking forward to the the, um, the Slovakia game, then the Czech Republic game. Now they can't wait for the Serbia game because they feel as if they're making strides forward. And listen, I've got to give credit to the to the Scottish Premiership players because four of that back five who played last night mm. were all, are all now playing in the Scottish Premiership. I think only one player, Scott McTominay was the only player in that starting 11 last night who hasn't had any minutes ever in the Scottish Premiership or the Scottish top flight. And people are quite happy to kick the league 
all over the place and slam it and, and, and give it, you know, a, a bad name. Standard's not great. These guys are performing at international level and they're winning games at international level. So maybe it's not as bad as what people think. So there has to be a huge pat on the back for those players to come in when others have, you know, yeah. had to miss out and they have delivered and they've been absolutely terrific. Yeah, it was a victory for, for squad strength, wasn't it? When you think about all the high profile players who are missing and some of the late call-ups um, and they were certainly uh, a success. And uh, Stevie Clark afterwards was paying tribute to the, the strength and the, the depth of the squad. The boys that came in have been, have been great. The call-offs that, that sort of come from nowhere, if you like, the Andy Considine. Two great games. He's 33 years age. On Saturday, he didn't have any caps, now he's got two. Paul Hanlon joins us at 31. Comes into the group, no training really with the, the squad, comes onto the pitch and gets a cap at 31. So I think that sends a message to everybody at this time, especially with, with so many possible dropouts, is everyone's got to be ready to, to help us. And Declan Gallagher... Well, who we'll hear from uh, later on in the show, Stephen. I mean, he was in the squad uh, right from the start, but he's not really been ripping up trees, I don't think, this season for Motherwell, has he? As as the team mm. has, has struggled for results and any sort of consistency. But in that Scotland backline, he has been immense, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he really has. And, uh, you know, I think at Motherwell in the back three, he's been playing on the right of the three, whereas with Scotland, he's been playing in the centre. Mm. And sometimes it just changes your focus. You're not drawn into wide areas. Uh, as the middle one you've got to be the guy who probably goes and heads the ball when it, com- when it comes into the box you probably tend to find that you're free quite a lot that you have to read the game and that was the big thing You know, I'll speak to Declan later on but that was the biggest thing I noticed about international football was the concentration you had to go through because international football at time can be ruthless if you're not in the right position your communication's not right if there's a gap you get punished and literally I used to come off after international games with headaches because you were thinking that much, you were talking that much, you were focusing just on everything that was going round about. And Declan's probably done that. You know, the big challenge for him is now to go back to Motherwell and replicate that form. He set himself a standard. He set it last year. He's raised the bar again with his international performances. And to see him and to see Andy Considine, I mean, at 33 years of age, Steve Clark touched on it. I just think he's the epitome of the model professional. If you're a young player, particularly at Aberdeen, and you're wanting to be a top-class football player, I would follow Andy Considine. And, you know, when, when Scott McKenna left Aberdeen, Derek McKenna spoke about him in glowing terms, about how he trains, how he lives, how he wants to be the best he can. There's no coincidence he's got someone like Andy, uh, Andy Considine in his squad. And he's probably murdered Andy Considine. And he's waited, he's been patient. He's lived and trained every day, waiting for that moment, hopefully, of a Scotland international call-up. Never mind a, never mind a cap, a call-up. Mm. And then to get that cap as well, you know, was at, I don't think there's anyone else in Scottish football that people would be any more pleased for than the likes of Andy Constant because you know he's played what Derek McKenna said 40 odd European games for Aberdeen he's played in cup finals he's played in big games David Weir played for Scotland until he was 40 so Andy could have seven years <laughs> left in international football yeah he could be in the that, Hall of Fame that's, that, that's the carrot dangling for him but it also opens up avenues for other players in Scotland who thought you know they were never going to get a chance I was writing down likes of Craig Halkett maybe potentially if, if, yeah. if Hart's got himself back up Jason Kerr is another one you know, guys who might think, you know what, I've maybe got a chance of a call-up. If I can go and do well, Steve Clark has shown, he'll dip into the league and he'll bring players in. So, you know, that just opens the door for everyone else. Well, he was just saying that, wasn't he, right there? He's saying everybody stand by, not just the players who were in the original squad or were even drafted in mm-hmm. along the way, but others might be required as mm-hmm. well because it's not just about injury at the moment, it's about potentially yeah. coronavirus as well, call-offs. So, you know, he, he might have to dig deep and, and what he's finding, of course, is by digging deep, he, he's unearthing yeah. some gems well 
I mean, I, I don't know what the number of players he named initially in his squad, but he named 24, 25. 26 it was in 26. the original. 26, yeah. So it must be well over 30 now with all with all the new call-ups. Yeah. You know, so suddenly, in moments of adversity, he's found players where he can trust and players he can rely on and players who are ready to step up. So, you know, he's enhanced the squad. There's not many, you know, I look at Northern Ireland, we can't do that. We don't have 27, 28, 29, 30 players. Scotland have, and, and they have more again. So when you see the likes of... You know Stephen O'Donnell coming in and and, and Considine and and uh, Big Declan Gallagher. It just it should encourage everyone else. You know just to live and train for that moment, just in case that phone gets picked up. Make sure your club form's good. Make sure you're buying at it because you're right. There could be so many things happen between now and and November. You want to be one of those eleven players entrusted to try and take your nation to the first major championship since 1998. You know, what a coup that would be to be in that side, to live in that moment, and those players will be tasting it and touching it now. They'll be thinking, I want to be part of that. And suddenly the levels just go up and train. The levels go up at their club side because they know what's at the end for them. And everyone should be on their toes waiting for that moment. What do you think? Have your say, join the programme, get involved on the subject of Scotland or indeed anything else on the socials, on the text or on that phone number 0808 17 17 700. And it's uh, that stage now where uh, we could do with a degree in arithmetic uh, and we could do with understanding the complexities of the Nations <laughs> League and all the rest of it. Uh, something that we maybe didn't know a whole lot about a week or so ago, but we're becoming experts in it now yeah. because Scotland are looking at uh, not just a, this pathway to the European Championships, but a potential pathway as well to the next World Cup, all courtesy of topping Group B2. We wanted a big month at home. We knew three home games was important, obviously, to beat Israel and be in the playoff final. We managed to achieve that. But we were also determined. That's why we didn't talk up too much after the Israel game about Serbia, because we wanted to concentrate on these two matches. We felt there was a chance to pick up at least four points, if not six. We managed to get the maximum points. That puts us in a really good position going into the group stage and a big chance to win it, which we did obviously get his promotion to the A group which is where we want to be we want to be challenging ourselves against the top teams I think uh, I need you by my side Craggs to, uh, to keep Mine me po- <laughs> exactly to, to give us all the, the detail and the potential and the possibilities for Scotland but it's funny isn't it because when we were playing that playoff match against Israel we really weren't thinking or were not greatly bothered about the, the, the two Nations no. League ties to follow. Uh, now, because we've won both of them, we're massively involved in it all. We're clear by four points at the top of the group. And we need just now one win in those two away games, uh, I think, to ensure that we finish at the top yeah. of the group and promotion to, to Group A. Which becomes more difficult then because you end up playing against the top nations don't you end up playing against the Hollands and the Germanys and the, the French and the Italians potentially but Steve Clark said there that's where they want to be but you think back to the Nations League the last time round you know Scotland competing well in that gave them that chance that playoff chance to get to the Euros which is now going to be next summer Northern Ireland did the same Northern Ireland didn't pick up a point in the last Nations League campaign Rob but ended up getting a playoff place because everyone else had qualified so by winning I think there's two playoff spots available for World Cup 2022. And at this moment in time, Scotland are one of the best two-placed teams, 10 points from 12. So if they won their next two games, even if they didn't qualify for the next World Cup through coming first or coming second into the playoffs, I think by winning the Nations League campaign and having 16 points at the end of next month could uh, give them that opportunity, a second chance if they don't qualify through their group. So that has to be a huge carrot dangling as well, thinking not only could we make the Euros, but we could give ourselves an opportunity to get into the World Cup. 
that you have a second chance to fall back on if you don't qualify through your group you have the Nations League playoff again so Nations League's been good for Scotland it hasn't been good for some other countries but suddenly you can start to look beyond and, and think there's positive things happening we could be going to two major championships or at least have the chance of going to two major championships um, and Scotland's waited a long time for it and I just look at the, the hunger and the desire and the togetherness of the players coming off last night and the manager there's a real listen people talk about camaraderie and team spirit that is built through winning football matches Yeah, you can't just turn up and, and invent that people get it because they get a feel for it they get a taste for it they're in the same group together they want to try and help each other out they win a game they feel good suddenly they win another game and and, and everyone wants to be part of it yeah. everybody wants to be part of that group and that's where Steve Clark has the players at the minute that's where he wanted them to be that's where they are you think back to when he managed Kilmarnock there wasn't many games he turned up and you thought that uh, you know we thought Kilmarnock were going to lose you just thought they're going to be hard to beat you know where the system's going to be but teams couldn't break it down and they still had that little threat in the counter-attack He's replicated that in international football with a different system, probably with slightly better players. And if you can get that right ticking over and churning out results, performances, I think, will improve because players grow in confidence and they try things and they're allowed to be more expansive. But initially, get the base right. Get used to keeping clean sheets and winning games. Who cares if it's 1-0? Get used to winning games. And that's where they're at. And it's all because Scotland have got that uh, M-word momentum. <laughs> I think... It- Listen, it's it's a slow process. It's a it's a process that probably started at the Luzhniki last last October when we when we lost heavily. We, we spoke we spoke at length after that game about making sure that was a low point and we we would build from there. Uh, eight games unbeaten later, I think you can say that we've managed to do that. We've managed to build. The players have got more confidence now. They feel better. I always say about international football: the more caps you get, the better you become at international football, and that's proven to be the case. The Scotland manager, Stevie Clark, on the Go Radio Football Show. We've got the chief executive of the SPFL, Neil Doncaster, coming soon. And we've got former Rangers striker, Andy Little, up next. The Go Radio Football Show. Have your say. Call 08 08 17 17 700. We've been looking back on last night at Hamden, another great night for Scotland. It's just great to be able to say those words. What <laughs> it's a nice week! To see you smile about it. I know exactly. Three wins in a week for Scotland. Uh, we're heading for Serbia next month, of course, and a chance to qualify for the European Championship finals. It'll be the first time in 23 years that Scotland has appeared at a major tournament and we're uh, feeling a lot better about ourselves than we were what would you like to say on that subject would you like to talk about Scotland would you like to talk about the old firm match Celtic against Rangers on Saturday lunchtime here's how to get in touch give us a call 0808 17 17 700 is our number the text as usual 87474 put go at the start of your message or jump on those socials at go football show we can get in touch with all of you you can send us a DM they are open yeah, those games at the weekend as well. We know all about Celtic and Rangers. It's Dundee United Aberdeen as well. Remember when we used to call that one the New Firm Derby? Hamilton against St Johnston, Livingston, Kilmarnock, uh, Ross County, Hibs, and St Mirren against Motherwell with that rearranged game at Pataudry Tuesday, which is Aberdeen against Hamilton. On the subject of the old firm match, obviously we'll be speaking to uh, Neil Doncaster in about 15 minutes, uh, the SPFL. 
Chief Executive who've been handing out advice today telling uh, people who are going to be watching that match on telly at the weekend, Ali, to stay at home. For sure. Um, with such a high-profile round of fixtures ahead, the eyes of the world will be on Scottish football, offering a fantastic opportunity to showcase what makes our game so compelling and exciting, says Doncaster. He also said, however, it's now more important than ever that all supporters continue to stick rigidly to the latest government guidance, as well as any specific local restrictions that are in place. Yeah, those are the words of Neil Doncaster. We'll hear from the man himself in about 15 minutes on the show and ask him some other questions as well about funding for football and, and fans getting back in. When will that happen? Um, having had those test games at Aberdeen in, and in Dingwall as well and then the whole thing put back. Uh, any chance of getting a, a few fans into football matches? It's happening elsewhere in Europe at the moment. What are the chances of that? We will ask the man himself. But talking of Celtic and Rangers at the weekend, let's talk about what is going to happen on the pitch this weekend with the former Rangers striker, former Northern Ireland international as well. Andy Little, hi Andy. Hi Rob. How are you doing? I'm not so bad, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to, to Saturday. Yeah, it's a it's an exciting prospect, isn't it? And suddenly it's less than 48 hours away and uh, great great excitement. Uh, how are you viewing it from uh, for, as a former Rangers player? Yeah, well, I think obviously it's been a, a super week for, for Scottish football generally and um, you know, now we have the showcase fixture uh, for everyone to to enjoy, I think it's nicely nicely poised obviously both teams have have started very very well um you know arguably rangers have probably shown uh, slightly the better better performances and I, I must admit i've seen an awful lot of rangers this season and um you know I, i'm from a rangers point of view i would be i would be quietly confident going into the game but clearly both matches um are just a thing of their own and form generally goes out the window. Yeah, predicting it is a dangerous pastime, isn't it? Um, but I think the bookies are making Rangers slight favourites at the moment, probably courtesy of what you're talking about, the the form they've shown so far. Uh, some good performances uh, in Europe as well. They'll be looking forward to uh, getting involved in the Europa League group stages next Thursday. But full focus at the moment on uh, making a statement, you would imagine, Saturday lunchtime? Absolutely. You know their form has been has been has been brilliant. Obviously, the start of the season with the the clean sheets and the record that that, that they um, they managed there, and then I think more recently they've been in, in pretty free scoring form with you know, I think it was four in, in Europe, five against Motherwell, and then the big the big um, the big one against Galatasaray, which you see the the scenes in the dressing room after that match. I think there's a there's a real togetherness in, in that squad at the minute and. Um, but as I say, it's it's all of that form, and then you go off for an international break. It probably came at, at a bad time in a way for for Stephen Gerrard because things were going very very well, and um, and now having had all that time, they had all that pre-season together and and, and training together, that there's some players that haven't even returned, possibly even returned to the country as as we as it stands. So um, it'll be a difficult one, I think, for for Stephen Gerrard to get the to get the squad back together and. And ready for Saturday. We've got your fellow countryman uh, Stephen Craigan with us in the studio. Andy, how you doing, mate? You okay? 
Not so bad. I've been hearing plenty of you. You've been you've been working hard the last week. <laughs> Poor you. I feel for you. Uh, I get fed up t- hearing myself sometimes. But yeah, anyway, yeah, join the club. Yeah. <laughs> Since the second busiest man in Scottish football, Rob McLean. Team spirit's breaking yeah. down. Don't worry about it. Calm down, boys. Listen, Andy. The title will not be won on Saturday. Of course, it won't. But the winner of that game, if there is one, would take a real psychological edge over the rival, wouldn't he? I think so. I, I've heard something I read something I think today as well how important that first game is and you know I don't really buy into um, you know what's happened over previous seasons each season is its own but with getting that first win in an old firm I think Rangers psychologically as you as you mentioned uh, 29th of December last season um, to win at Parkhead was certainly um, a big uh, monkey off their back from Rangers point of view so you know it's um it's going to be slightly different this time with, with no fans. Um, but, but yeah, psychologically, to get that first, to get the first winner, no firm, or, or at least don't lose it. You know, if you're not going to, if you don't quite turn up on Saturday and, and things aren't going right, whether whether from a Rangers point of view or a Celtic point of view, you don't want to lose that first that first game. It would be Rangers would go, I think, four points clear, and, and Celtic would would go top of the table, obviously, if they were to to win it. So yeah. The, the, the league won't be won or lost on Saturday, but it's a massive step in that direction. Yeah, but you think also with Celtic having potentially four players missing, Shane Duffy and Christopher Ayer have played three full 90 minutes in the last seven days. This could be as good a chance as any, you know, to make that statement that Rob's talking about for Rangers to go to the home of their rivals. They won't have the vocal support behind them. It may just make it more of a level playing field. You know, privately, Stephen Gerrard will be telling his players, "This is a real opportunity for us to show we can be the number one side this season." Yeah, I think so. But they've always, they've also been there over the last couple of years, and they've gone into to winter breaks and in, in top of the league and in, in very very good form. And as we've seen, it, it's they haven't managed to maintain that for for the remainder of the season. So, yes, there's a significance. But Stephen Gerrard. In my opinion, he, he seems very sort of calm, collected. I don't think he gets involved in in the hype too much, which is is important. Um, with no fans in the ground, there might be slightly less hype. <laughs> although, <laughs> although I'm sure I'm, I'm sure a few people will 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 disagree with me there. But I think it'll be a bit more of a pure football match on, on Saturday. I don't think you'll see quite as much of the drama. Um, I think there's been a red card in every game last season, certainly. It'll be a little bit, in my opinion, it'll be a little bit more calm, a little bit more about who actually just performs better on the day, less about the, the hype and the drama of of 60,000 or 50,000 in the stadium. Um, and I think it's whichever team can settle into their, their natural flow the quickest um, will probably come out on top. If you've just switched on, it's the Go Radio Football Show and we're talking to the former Rangers striker, Andy Little, who has played and scored uh, in the old firm fixture, Andy, haven't you? Yep, I have. Um, I think I've had two, two and one, two wins and one defeat was my record. So I'll, I'll take that. Tell us about your, tell us about the goal. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was special. It was something obviously I'm very proud of. Uh, I played in certainly plenty of games through the youth team, played in youth cup finals, and I managed to score in those as well. But to score in a in a proper old firm game. Um, in the situation that that we were in at that in that season, and with administration and Celtic could have come to Ibrox that day and, and lifted the trophy, which, as a Rangers player, you obviously don't, you know that's the 
your worst nightmare, I suppose, to see your better, you know, your rivals uh, lift the lift the stadium and uh, lift the, the the cup in your in your home stadium uh, would have been disastrous. So it was it was special. I got uh, thankfully Lee Wallace missed a sitter, Kyle Lafferty missed a sitter, and I managed to tap it in and. Um, had my whole family over as well to watch the game so that was extra special Fantastic We'd, uh, Barry Ferguson obviously is a regular on the show with us and, and he was talking last night about just about the old firm fixture and what it does to you with uh, Darren D, former Celtic player uh, in the studio as well earlier in the week uh, he, he was talking about going to war You know that, that was the way he felt going into this game what, what did it do to you Andy just the build up and, and, and the, the whole atmosphere at the game I think every player is different. Certainly, there's some players are, you know, <laughs> headbutton walls, and <laughs> some players are uh, an extra trip to the toilet before before you walk out the door. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, you know, the likes of Sasa Sasa Papac used to play Angry Birds on his iPad. So, um, and that, that's a that's a true story. Where Walter Smith was um, just about to give his final kind of battle cry and. Sasa had the had the iPad out and he was just playing a wee game Angry Birds. So I think I think I think every player every player deals with it differently. Um, I was probably more sort of um, focused, I suppose. And I was just thinking about my first touch or my first pass or my first tackle. And you know, you want to start the game um, in a positive manner. And I think every player is different. Certainly, uh, for me, though, it was all about just trying to trying to get going. And uh, I only had three of them. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have more playing more but um, no I enjoyed I enjoyed the battle and I'm sure there'll be a lot of players looking forward to, to Saturday morning You were on the, the, the Rangers roller coaster as well weren't you of course um, when things went horribly wrong and, and, and Rangers were shunted down the leagues what, what do you remember of, of that time Andy? It was just a totally crazy time in the history of the club we'd you know 20 or 30 media um, cameras and various different from all around the world at, at the training ground gates every every morning from from Valentine's Day onwards. I think it was when when administration happened. And for me, I was you know I was part of the squad, but um, you know I was one of the younger youngest members of that squad. And yeah, I just kind of went along with everything. And it was the it was the more experienced players in the squad, your Alan McGregor's and. Lee McCulloch, Steve Davis, who kind of took charge of things, and um, clearly the players, as players, we all took wage cuts um, to help the club out. And and then when the, se- the end of the season came, it, it, if I'm honest, you know, it just created an opportunity for me. I'd been I'd been in the peripheral of the squad for a number of years, and uh, it was a great chance then for me, in a, in a weird way, to to get get a regular place in the team and. Um, it really did just open up the door for me to actually play more games in a in a Rangers jersey. Although it was a terrible time for the club, it was quite a good time for me. Because you'd been given the chance to leave, hadn't you? Yeah, we were all out of contract. Yeah. Um, we we all um, we all had the opportunity to to move on. I think, and um, I, I certainly had 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 opportunities to to go down south. Um, I was probably only a couple of days away from from going, and then we had the first Rangers I didn't actually go back for pre-season I was training by myself and Rangers had um, I think it was uh, breaking we went to play in, the, in front of the famous hedge a <laughs> Ramson Cup, Cup game was the first game back and it was I think that was on the Saturday and about the Tuesday uh, Ali McCoist phoned me up and they you know put a sort of a, what I felt was a, a better offer on the table to me and um, then I just jumped at the opportunity to 
to get back to Glasgow and, and get playing again. And yeah. you scored that first goal, Andy, didn't you? You scored after a couple yeah. of minutes that day, didn't you? Yeah, I had a, a, a zero pre-season in me, but thankfully I did. I four, four minutes in, uh, I got the first goal, although it ended up going into extra time that match. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't quite last the full 120 <laughs> minutes. But <laughs> put it that way, I wasn't, I wasn't fit enough for that. But it was a nice moment to get that first goal, certainly. Um, you know, on the road to, to to getting back to the very top of the league, which is where they sit now. It, it was an incredible time, that wasn't it? As you say, going to bizarre places, fo- locations in Scottish football that you would never have thought you would have gone to. It certainly was for me. It, it wasn't that. Different. I'd played in so many, you know, reserve games and testimonials. So I'd, I'd been to all these grounds, and I just hadn't experienced them with three or four thousand um, around around the pitches, so tightly packed in. As the Rangers fans, incredibly loyal and um, you know, supported the team up and down the country. It, w- it was it was a unique um, experience for for all of us, but one that I just thrived in. And you know, I would have loved to to stay on at the club for longer. I felt like I, I felt like I had more to give, certainly. Um, but I absolutely enjoy it and you know I absolutely love my eight years I had at the club. It's a very special club, and you know thankfully I'm still I still working. I have some part to play with Rangers TV and um, bits and pieces of commentary. So yeah. it's, you know it's a club that means an awful lot to me. And this would be the culmination, wouldn't it? If this season, uh, having recovered and climbed up through the leagues and got back to the top flight again and uh, re-established, um, if Rangers. What you want this season is for Rangers to stop Celtic doing what they want to do. Yeah, well, I think it's been it's been night and day really since Stephen Jarrett came in. I think it's been a real return of the, of the Rangers of old. You look at their form in Europe; it's incredible. The, the, the performances and the, you know to reach the group stages in the Europa League now three years in a row um, is more of the, the Rangers that, that that certainly fans will remember. From a league point of view, they've, there's no doubt they've fallen short twice now. Um, under Stephen Jarrod, and that's something that I'm sure there's, there's no doubt they'll they'll all be trying to put right this season. But I also don't believe that it will be talked about very much from from a squad point of view, a team point of view. All you ever hear of after a game is focus and think about the next match. And I think Stephen Jarrod instills that in the squad. I don't think there'll be any players getting far ahead of themselves. Whether they were to win three or four nil on Saturday, I really don't think it'll. It'll change the the mentality of the squad, and um, I thought they would win it last year, and I think they'll win it again this year. So let's see what happens. Andy, just quickly before we go, just I want your kind of opinion on a, a former teammate of ours, Stephen Davis. He equaled Pat Jennings' record, and then he he overcame it on Thursday night. He's been a wonderful servant for Rangers and for Northern Ireland, hasn't he? Just incredible, Stevie. You know we we all. Um, we all love him from a from a, a Northern Ireland fan point of view. He's he's one of the most humble and you know non dramatic, uh, for want of a better phrase, professional footballers. You, you see an awful lot of them in this era. Um, are a wee bit a wee bit there's a wee bit of hype surrounding them, but with Stephen Davis, his feet are firmly on the ground. Like I say, he's the most humble legend um, that I know, and in my eyes, he's. Um, there's no reason why he shouldn't be he shouldn't be put up there with with George Best in terms of um, top top players to come out of our our wee country and um, it doesn't surprise me though as well I think when you look at the Scotland squad and the form that they're showing now there's so much to be said for having a a real team spirit and that's the exact kind of thing that Stephen Davis 
um, epitomizes it. It's all about the team. He doesn't want the individual. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't want the the, the the praise that he should be getting, and he rightfully got. He doesn't really care for that. He cares about the team, and I think that shows now uh, with Northern Ireland and now with Scotland the, the performances that, that they're that they're been producing. Andy, good to hear from you, and uh, wishing no you, wishing you all the best. All the best, Andy. No That's the uh, former you. Rangers striker, Andy Little. And coming up next on the Go Radio Football Show, it's the SPFL Chief Executive, Neil Doncaster. The Go Radio Football Show. Have your say. Call 0808 17 17 700. Yeah, just talking old firm match there and Celtic Rangers on Saturday lunchtime with, uh, with Andy Little. A big match coming up. In fact, big matches all around for Dundee United and Aberdeen as well. Hamilton and St Johnston, Livingston, Kilmarnock, Ross County and Hibs, St Mirren and Motherwell. That's this weekend, this Saturday in the SPFL Premiership. And of course, on Tuesday, that rearranged game uh, between Aberdeen and Hamilton. Well, we've been uh, talking about it earlier in the show. Um, about uh, what the SPFL have been saying today, handing out advice about chiefly about that Celtic Rangers game at the weekend and about watching football on TV in general. The advice is stay at home. Don't think about going round to somebody else's place to watch it. Don't think about going out with the central belt if that's where you stay. And of course, pubs are shut at the moment and that possibility is cut off for you. Uh, but there are big stakes in terms of public health at the moment and that is certainly the message from the Scottish Football Authorities. Let's speak to the Chief Executive of the SPFL, Neil Doncaster. Hi, Neil. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay, thank you very much. Yeah, looking forward to the uh, the weekend ahead. It should be, uh, should be a big weekend of football. And what, what are you saying to, to football fans, Neil, who'll be listening to this and uh, excited, uh, probably excited doesn't quite cover it, about the first Celtic Rangers meeting of the new season, and obviously we're we're hearing about uh, you know plans afoot to to head across the border. Uh, those who don't have uh, Sky Sports in their home and they're able to watch it that way, looking desperate to to see it whatever they can. Yeah, it is a huge weekend. Um, obviously, it's the the old firm weekend. We've got the, the start of the Championship, League One, League Two seasons as well. But in terms of the, the Celtic Rangers match, we we know it's uh, going to be of huge interest to so many millions of people not just in the UK, but all around the world. We've got over 150 countries that will be taking the fees from that game. So it really is a, a global event. And we want the event to be uh, talked about after the weekend for the right reasons, about what went on on the pitch rather than anything off it. So we've absolutely encouraged fans to be responsible, abide by the, the rules, which are there for, for everyone's benefit, uh, and to ensure that there isn't any and mixing in other people's households uh, and so watch it at home, enjoy the game at home, but please um, you know, abide by the Scottish Government regulations. Ultimately, Neil, it's about the quicker return of supporters to stadiums um, in the long run, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone has a part to play in that. And um, the sooner that we can get on top of the virus, the sooner that the Scottish Government are going to let fans in, which the game needs. I mean, we, we all understand that fans and the fans' money is the lifeblood of football in Scotland. We don't have the, uh, the mega deals, the broadcasting deals that exist elsewhere. So we're very reliant uh, on the income from fans coming through the turnstiles. And the sooner we get back to that place, the better. 
and you'll have heard the football authorities will have heard what everyone's heard I guess on the grapevine uh, Neil that all sorts of plans being hatched um, by football fans possibly going south of the border Blackpool a popular destination there was, there was talk of um, 1,500 applications to a pub in Blackpool looking to get themselves booked in to, to watch the game together. That pub, I think, has, has decided to close o- on Saturday. It's, it's those sort of stories that scare us um, and prompt you, I guess, into issuing the statement that you have issued today. Yeah, it would be absolutely irresponsible to head south across the border uh, to try and you know, go to licensed premises to view this game. There's no need to do it. I mean, a lot of people have got a Sky Sports subscription, but even for those that haven't, you know, it's possible you can get a, a Now TV day pass for under £10, which is surely a much safer and certainly a, a much cheaper uh, alternative than, than a day trip to Blackpool. So we certainly hope that as many fans as possible will enjoy the game, but in their own homes uh, and not you know, mixing with other households. Neil, just looking at the bigger picture, is there any, you know, without giving anything away, inclination of when supporters could possibly be back? And the reason I ask that is because the Northern Irish Football League uh, starts this weekend as well. And even though Northern Ireland are probably in, in, in more of a strict lockdown than what we are here in Scotland, supporters will be allowed into those stadiums. Now, there's not going to be 10, 12,000, but there's anything between 600 and 1,000 at some of the stadiums, which means you know, people here in Scotland looking across to Northern Ireland and thinking, what's the key difference? Well, I understand that point of view entirely. Uh, we, we, we know that it's much safer to be out in the outdoors rather than uh, behind, you know, in, indoors to watch games. So to have uh, a limited number of fans watching games in the outdoors, in the fresh air, socially distanced with all appropriate uh, measures put in place by the clubs, that has to be appropriate. And I'm, I'm pleased for the Northern Irish uh, football clubs that they're able to be doing that this weekend. Um, we've seen already in Scotland successful pilot events going on at uh, Ross County and Aberdeen you know, with a re- relatively small amount of fans, but in the stadium, all safe, socially distanced, no issues whatsoever. So we're very hopeful that the Scottish Government uh, will work with us to ensure that we can get fans back in as soon as is safely possible. So you think, uh, Neil, that, the, the, that there's every chance that having been... Uh, shunted back the way if you like it was a bit one step forward and two back wasn't it in terms of those pilots having gone off and been successful uh, but then the the government reaction to to what was happening in the public health sphere and suddenly all bets were off at that stage are you hopeful that we can start getting back on track again and, and that the government will see the wisdom of having small numbers, manageable numbers inside a football ground as actually being beneficial to to public health. In the, we're, we're talking people's well-being here, aren't we, apart from anything else? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, I get a lot of uh, emails in from fans uh, and a large number of uh, those emails are about the, the stresses and strains that, that fans are experiencing not being able to view their, their team. You know, it's such an important part of so many people's lives to be able to go along and see their team in action. Uh, we, we're certainly hopeful that, that that'll be uh, uh, taken cognizance of and that we'll be allowed uh, fans back in uh, in the near future. Have the government managed to convince you that that, that this was anything other than a, a political decision to, to go backwards um, in terms of fans and grounds? No, not at all. I mean, Professor Jason Leach himself uh, pointed out uh, on, on the radio uh, fairly recently that you know, the clinicians provide the uh, the options to government and, and the politicians make the decision. So these are all political decisions. And it's just a question of you know what uh, politicians wish to allow and what they don't wish to allow. But you can see that 
uh, the politicians in Northern Ireland with, with the same amount, the same information available uh, to them, uh, are deciding that it's appropriate to have limited numbers of fans in stadia. So we, we welcome that and uh, look forward to engaging with uh, Joe Fitzpatrick and his colleagues at the Scottish Government. Hopefully you get fans back in as soon as possible. Is it is it easy and straightforward for you and, and the other football authorities in Scotland to have an ongoing dialogue with the government, with the politicians? Absolutely. You know, there are very good lines of communication, as of course there have to be, uh, between uh, football and the government. Uh, that, that's always the case. Uh, I think there's always going to be robust exchanges uh, with different points of view. Uh, we have a duty to stick up the, uh, the clubs who are reliant uh, on the money coming through the turnstiles to, to keep them alive. Uh, and in the absence of, of those fans, then clearly funding is, is crucially important. And those discussions between the Scottish Government and the UK Government are, are ongoing. So we're hopeful of progress there too. When do, you, when do you think we might know something? I mean, there have been whisperings uh, about some, some support, but I guess... Uh, Scottish football is just one of a number of industries. There'll be people listening to this who love their football and want football to, to get some financial backing, but they might think about the, their own workplace and, and other business and industries throughout the country who are also looking for government support. Yeah, there are a lot of industries that are in really uh, difficult financial mire at the moment. There's no doubt about that. And of course, we've got every sympathy for all of those people who are affected by this, this horrible virus. But we've seen in Northern Ireland and elsewhere around Europe uh, that the authorities are able to bring uh, an amount of fans in safely in a socially distant way, in a way that doesn't uh, affect the health uh, of the population. So you know, we're really keen to work with government to find a solution. Neil, you talked about financial help and support for clubs. Yeah, the the lower league start back this weekend don't need championship league one league two there's been a lot of cries for help shall we say from those clubs because you're right they rely on the income from paying customers do you have any concerns about clubs potentially going out of existence if that funding doesn't come in well we're already seeing it down south um macclesfield going into administration um and you know i suspect they won't be uh, the last this, this season uh, I do think that we'll see uh, a large number of businesses, that's football businesses and others, uh, have really difficult uh, situations in the coming season. Uh, money and fans are really a, a different sides of the same coin. Um, if in the absence of fans in stadia, then football is reliant on financial support. Uh, we've seen the UK government step up and offer uh, many millions of pounds to support the National League in England. And we're very hopeful uh, that the discussions between the UK government and the Scottish government will uh, will soon bear fruit to support our clubs in their time of need. On a, on a brighter uh, topic, Neil, um, how much how much joy did you share in uh, last night and, and over the last week with the the success of the of the Scotland football team and obviously quite quite a few members of that successful squad um, play their football in, in the SPFL. That's massive. Uh, it, it really is a testament to, to Steve Clark and the way he's gone about his business. That you know we, we are now um, going into uh, the, the playoff against Serbia uh, with uh, with some hope, uh, and you know, clearly it's huge for the whole uh, football industry in Scotland. The better that the Scottish national team does, the better it is for everyone. And they're really pleased for, for the manager 
and all the players who really, uh, their achievements over the last couple of weeks have been fantastic. It sends out a positive message, doesn't it, about the the Scottish game in general. And I guess it helps um, with things like the search for sponsorship. I mean, obviously the the SPFL doesn't have a sponsor at the moment for understandable reasons. We've, We've been through tough times, but when things do pick up, the success of of uh, Scottish teams in Europe, Rangers and Celtic both qualifying for the Europa League group stages, and what the what the national team is doing at the moment, does that all help in getting that positive message out there and 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 making progress in terms of things commercial? There's no harm at all. Uh, we're in discussions with a number of uh, commercial partners uh, around sponsorships. Uh, we announced today uh, that the. Uh, the SPFL Trust, uh, which uh, is, is financed by the uh, James Anderson uh, money uh, and another uh, anonymous benefactor, they have stepped up and they'll be sponsoring the, the Challenge Cup, currently the, the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer Cup uh, next season when it comes back. We had to cancel the competition this year and we're in conversation with a, a number of other commercial partners uh, about uh, tiered sponsorships within the game. So as much positivity as possible is clearly helpful to those conversations. And just a quick word, a quick reminder before you go, a quick uh, leaving message, if you like, um, of what we started off talking about, your message to football fans at the weekend. I mean, clearly we're talking uh, chiefly about that Celtic Rangers game and the prospect of, of some fans heading elsewhere to try to, to watch it watch it live. What, what's, your, what's your message to them? Please be responsible. Um, stay safe. I mean, ultimately, we all want fans to return to the game as soon as possible. And the better uh, it goes this weekend in terms of people abiding by the rules, uh, the earlier the day will come when we're allowed fans back in stadia. I'm, I'm sure of it. Neil, thanks for joining us. Good to hear from you on the Go thanks Radio so Football thanks, Show. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. That's uh, Neil Doncaster, Cheerio. SPFL Chief Executive. The Go Radio Football Show. Have your say. Call 0808 17 17 just been talking to the chief executive of the SPFL, Neil Doncaster, about the instructions issued today by uh, Scottish football's governing body uh, relating to the Celtic Rangers game, of course, on Saturday lunchtime. The advice, stay at home if you're watching it on TV. Don't think about going elsewhere. Think about the public health implications. Talking as well uh, about what's happening on the pitch with the former Rangers striker Andy Little with us earlier in the show. And coming up soon, Uh, we will be talking to one of the heroes of that Scotland squad uh, which is one game away from the European Championship finals and possibly one win away uh, from a place in the playoffs for the next World Cup it's all mind-boggling after a time of uh, deep depression uh, watching the national team Uh, but how the mist has lifted in uh, recent times three wins in a week so talking there uh, Stephen Cragen Ali Defoe and Rob McLean in the studio as well talking about uh, the prospect of of fans coming back into football grounds that's all kind of been put on hold at the moment we hope that one gets back on track soon um, and it's happening in Northern Ireland I mean there are there are fans getting to games across the sea there certainly is and there has been for most of pre-season Rob uh, I know Coleraine played uh, uh, Motherwell in the Europa League so that was a one-off occasion where there was no supporters allowed in because under UEFA regulations you weren't allowed to but they would have played a game the Saturday before that and they would have had supporters in the pre-season game able to watch. So, I mean, Northern Ireland is in major lockdown as well, qu- quite similar to Scotland. In fact, they have given their schools two weeks off. They've given them the, the 
um, Halloween week they normally get, but they're not back until I think the second of November. So you know, but ultimately the government feel or must feel it's it's applicable to allow people out and about for mental health to get out and about and enjoy their sport. It's all done with social distancing. Stadiums are big enough to host anything between five hundred and a thousand. So I, I I think it helps the game as well having supporters there, no doubt about it. But ultimately we know we're in you know tough times, pandemic, people not well. We get that. But just for the mental health of everybody, I think to have a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I think those two pilot games that Neil Doncaster spoke about, it was interesting. He said there was positive feedback. Well, there's been nothing really out there, has there? No. For, us, no. You know, for everybody to read. And my concern would have been if there was anything negative, it would have been plastered all over the papers. So it's nice to think that there has been feedback. They hopefully will get the go-ahead moving forward because just for the greater good of everybody, to have a little bit of sporting activity to look forward to, live sporting activity will certainly help people. To get out of the house. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to go to the phone shortly with uh, Celtic fan Mick. But before that, Ali, news about St Mirren and the fact that uh, COVID is back, unfortunately, for uh, Jim Goodwin's team. Unfortunately, yes. The St Mirren statement earlier this, uh, this afternoon, St Mirren Football Club have confirmed that two first team players have returned a positive COVID-19 test result in their most recent round of testings. Now, they're not saying who these two players are, but... Um, there will be a third player having to isolate along with them um, well not together in the same place obviously but all off isolating Jim Goodwin has said two out of the three are big players it's just one thing after another um, I have done a wee bit of investigating so I'm thinking based on some social posts it's not Sam Foley Junior Marais LK Dermis John Obika or Richard Tate so it's looking like they were at a kids club today not Richard Tate but the other four so I'm thinking if they were at a kids club today they wouldn't be sent home with coronavirus so there's a thought. <laughs> Ali investigates. Yeah. That's um, a third time for somewhere, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. On yeah. the third occasion, you know, yeah. Jim's not just having it tough off the pitch, on the pitch as well. I think it's six league defeats in a row, three home defeats in the league in a row. His, his best player and his captain sold. You know, a little bit of concern wasn't there against the board and what went on. Jim wasn't happy about it. So um, to have three players missing for a big game against Motherwell on Saturday, you know, not ideal for Jim. He needs to try no. and get some sort of positivity back into the club and hopefully, well, hopefully not. They get a win. They can start. <laughs> <laughs> there speaks the former Motherwell captain, uh, Stephen Cragen, with uh, Rob McLean, Ali Defoy in the studio. Go Radio Football Show. Yes, St Mirren, Motherwell uh, on Saturday. And of course, Celtic against Rangers as well. A massive match, uh, which is uh, looming large now on the horizon. Let's talk to Mick from Cumbernauld. Hi, Mick. Evening, guys. How are you doing? Hey. Excellent, thanks. Good man. What would you like to say? Um, well, I just wanted to say that I hope that Sky Sports do a little bit and, and help Scotland at the moment by, by showing the match free at the weekend. Um, even if it will stop a thousand people going to someone else's house, they'll, they'll have done their bit. Um, but on, on the game... Um, well, uh, well, well, actually, while you're saying that, Mick, let's just hear what, what Nicola Sturgeon had to say, the First Minister, earlier on. I really do strongly agree uh, with uh, Joe McAlpine and would encourage Sky Sports uh, this weekend to make the Rangers-Celtic match free to view for supporters uh, as a, a small but important contribution that they could make to helping keep people safe right now, enabling people uh, to watch the, the match in the, the comfort and the safety of their own home. Are you concerned, Mick, about what might happen on Saturday? Well, we've just got to stick by the rules and... And and hopefully we we can get the, the the infection rate down, and we've just got to keep doing it. My work's closed at the moment. Um, we had to self isolate. My wife had the virus. Um, everything's fine. Um, but we we just got to keep doing what, what what we've been told basically, and just try and stay in the house and stay away from other other households. There's nothing more I would like than 
then for my mates to be coming over and watching the game, but it won't be happening. Is your wife okay? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Die. She's a really good time. Good. What would you like to say? What was your main point? Um, well, uh, first of all, for, for Wednesday night, um, it's a positive defensive performance for Greg Taylor, I thought, uh, at left wing back on Wednesday. Obviously, gets a, a, a fair bit of stick for a lot of Celtic fans, but I, I, I felt that he did really well. Uh, and with regards to Odson Edward, uh, if, if he's had no symptoms at, at, at all with, with regards to the virus, then I, I think he's got to start. Uh, if he's had any symptoms, then it, it's it's going to be really difficult for him to, to take part. It's going to have, have took, it, took it out him physically, and it's going to be really difficult for him to for him to start the game. Because Celtic are already without Hatem El Hamed and and Neil Beaton and Ryan Christie. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, uh, the, I, I, I thought the problem. Taylor did the problem is, is when the players are self-isolating, they're not actually training. Yeah. And that would be the concern that, you know, Odson Edward could be out of his quarantine period by Saturday, but if he's not done anything for two weeks, you know, it's Celtic's biggest game of the season so far, isn't it? You know, going against the rivals. sending him a training schedule but, to do if he's been fit on but, his own or not. But he wouldn't have been allowed out if he's been in quarantine. That would be the concern of what kind of fitness level yeah. he'd be at. You could yeah. do. You know, yeah. and, you know, you think how important he was over the last couple of seasons for Celtic in those big games he was the go-to player so yeah. even though he hasn't been in top form this season for his name not to be in the team sheet on Saturday I can imagine the Rangers defenders yeah. will think you know they'll take a huge lift from it Yeah well we spoke about that very thing with, with Barry Ferguson in the studio the other day the former Rangers captain Mick and, and, and he told us exactly what the reaction would be from Rangers if they saw that team sheet and, and the name of Odson Edouard wasn't on it Yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely He's obviously our top player. He's not hit top form, just like quite a few years. But this is a perfect chance for us to kick start our season. Well, not make no mistake about it. We, we beat Rangers at, at the weekend, uh, and haven't been playing well for the first eight nine games, and and go that couple of points clear. That's that's, that's a massive shot in the arm for Celtic. But that would be a concern, wouldn't it, about your top striker? Because he hasn't been firing on all cylinders by his standards, even though he scored a hat trick on the opening weekend. But but in the last in the last few weeks. He hasn't really been himself. I think possibly to do with the, the transfer speculation that was that was swirling around. Now comes a, a period of, well, he'll be do, he'll have been doing what he can, Crags, but relative inactivity going into a, a match of of high intensity. Yeah, well, it's just set him back, hasn't it? More than anything, because you know when he was going away to was it the French under twenty one side he was yeah. been with? He traditionally scores goals for them. He scored lots for them, so he would have come back in fine fettle probably played, had a couple of games, got rid of the transfer speculation out, knowing he's got this big game on the horizon for him to come and play on. So, listen, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, a, a half-fit, three-quarters-fit Odson Edward Neil Lennon would play. But the concern is the longer-term effect. If he pulled up injured or something went wrong during the game, he would think, you know, should I have played him? Um, Mick, it would just make me wonder, would you take uh, coming out of Saturday's game unscathed, you know, with four players potentially missing, quite a lot of players on international duty, Neil Lennon struggling to you know put his first choice team together. If you come out with a draw in that game and you were still one point behind with the game in hand, would you take that on Saturday afternoon? I think we've got to be looking to win the game. I think the Rangers have shown how strong they've been in the. I think they've still hit a blip, Rangers. Um, but I, I think Celtic might just have enough just to just to get over the line. A, a, a sort of sneaky sneaky victory. I, I don't think we'll I don't think we'll play. Excellent in the game. I think we'll just, we'll just do enough to win it, though. What about your system? Three-five-two. That's never been played by Neil Lennon in an old firm game. It could be certainly tested, couldn't it? I'm not too sure he'll go with the three-five-two. If I'm honest, Elianisi will probably 
sort of flip in and out from the sort of wide left area if Edward is fit. If Edward doesn't play, I think he, he might go with Kamala and Griffiths. I think I think it might change it completely at the at the top end of the the pitch. I, yeah. I'm not too sure. Yeah, because I, 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 do, I don't think Ayeti. I think he's injured now, isn't he? Um, and we've talked about the the COVID affected players, the three of them, plus James Forrest, um, who's out as well. So, so you're talking about quite a few big hitters there for for Celtic that that won't feature in that lineup. But it's someone like Patrick Clamalla. You know, if you look at Patrick Clamalla, this could be the game that kickstarts his Celtic career. This could be the game where he comes in, plays well, scores the winner, does something that people don't expect him to do, making you think, wow, we've got a player in our hands who can, you know, someone so young can move forward and really make a huge step in a Celtic career. Absolutely. And he's had game time, hasn't he, during the international? He's been playing for the Polish under-21, so so he's actually been playing during this spell uh, as well. It could be a real opportunity for him. You, you were speaking about Greg Taylor as well, who... who I think Mick is, is is really gets really underestimated. Um, he's quite often the player that people are saying, yeah, he's okay just now. But and obviously Diego Laxalt has just been signed on loan from AC Milan, the Uruguayan international left-sided player. I mean, that's an obvious shadow hanging over Greg Taylor at the moment. But he he was mighty impressive for Scotland, wasn't he? It was. It was. I, I, especially against the Czech Republic. I watched it. I watched the full game and. I, I thought he, defensively his positioning in the in the second half of the game when we were under the caution a wee bit. Um, I, I thought he did really really well. There was a couple of occasions where they were they were trying to get it in the right hand side. Um, there was big switches from the left over to the right hand side, and he's, he he was covering in the the sort of left centre back position. Um, I, I thought he, I thought he had a really good game, but I don't think he'll start with Lax out. Um, I, I I don't doubt he's got a bit of quality about him and. But just maybe the, the the occasion of the game, it just might be a wee bit too much for Neil Lennon to put that that, that trust in, a, in, a, in that player. Greg Taylor is one in whom I think Stevie Clark has got a lot of faith. He obviously worked with him at Kilmarnock, so he knows all about him. Um, and I think those two probably work well together. And, uh, and Taylor, for me, uh, sometimes underestimated, Craigs, what do you think? Yeah, it is. It's, it's difficult because, you know, they have so much possession at time in game Celtic that Greg Taylor, they're looking for him to be an out-and-out winger, particularly in that 3-5-2 when he doesn't have the winger outside him to feed to. He's the one that has to go forward and try and be creative in the final third. And he's not got that change of pace as a winger. He doesn't have that stepper over or that trick you know, to take someone on. So he has to pass the ball on to someone else who can do it, which brings a lot of frustration from Celtic supporters to, uh, towards him. But I just look in, you know, if Neil does go with the back three, for example, depending on what he does, if he goes with Frimpong on one side, who is, you know, up and down and he, and he's more like a winger, I think for the balance, Neil would want a more defensive one on the opposite side of the pitch. Because if he was too open and went with El Yunusi, for example, as a left wing back, they'd be too exposed and Rangers could pick them off. So it will be a balancing act for Neil Lennon. Does he go with the four? If he does go with the three, then I can see why Greg Taylor would play. And again, it's another big game for him to come in and show what he can do and just prove to some Celtic supporters who have doubted him, listen, I can play on the big occasion. I am the man who can play left back. So it's a big challenge for him. Scott Brown is always a, a massive presence in these games, Mick, isn't he? And uh, he was given a, a wee rest, wasn't he, in Perth just before the international break. Uh, but Celtic needed him ultimately to to climb off the bench and, and drag them across the, the finishing line in that one. Yeah, we were really poor in the, in the game. Didn't really create too much. We got away with one. I think it was the, the post the guy hit in the, at the end of the first half. Uh, it was it, no, the beginning of the first half, uh, second half. And then... Um, 
I, I, I felt when Brown came off, he, he, he did. He, he didn't change the game single-handedly. Griffiths is the one that had the impact in the game, and, and Clamavas finish for the second goal was was incredible. We just we got knocked down and straight back up again, and it was in the back of the net. But he has a big influence, doesn't he? It's not it's not always what he's doing himself individually on the pitch, uh, Scott Brown. It's just the the impact he has on on the players around him. Yeah, he's a winner. He he, he, he controls the position uh, for the for the majority of the team. He, it's sort of he's the sort of catalyst is when when we go forward, when we when we slow it down. Um, uh, he's massive influence and Celtic's greatest captain since since Barry McNeil. It'll be interesting, Rob, because you know Scott Brown loves the big occasions, doesn't he? he? Loves the big crowd, loves the old firm games, whether they're at Ibrox or Celtic Park, and he seems to thrive on the edge of that game. And with that atmosphere not being there on Saturday, you just wonder, Mick, will it have any kind of impact in his performance? I know he'll still drive his team and pull them about all over he, the place. He's one who will miss it. Isn't, but that's isn't what I'm saying. He'll yeah, miss yeah. That, that. Gives him that extra little edge. And it'll just be interesting to see how his performance goes. So, but you would still expect him to be pivotal. With Celtic on on Saturday, Mick, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'll be the first name on Neil Lennon's team sheet. Simple as that. And and you mentioned Lee Griffiths, Mick. He he could be absolutely crucial to Celtic this season. Now that he's back in the fold, he's back on the pitch. He's back scoring again. It, it, it's what what he does. Um, he could be a really big player as Celtic chase ten in a row. Oh, I, I I love Griffiths as a player. Um, obviously. He's, He's let himself down off the off the pitch and obviously suffered to his to his illness. But if we can get him back to any semblance of the player he was before, he's scored over a hundred goals for Celtic, and he'll continue to, to score goals as long as he's in the team. Um, I, me personally, I think the game probably just comes a wee bit too too soon for him, unless Edward doesn't start. Because if as I say, if, if Edward doesn't start at the weekend, then I, I think he'll go with two up front and probably sacrifice Elianusi. I'm actually I'm, I'm not a big fan of Elianusi but um, but I think that's what probably happened and your, pre- has been great for and your prediction Mick? I think we'll sneak it 1-0 OK good to hear from you on the, yeah. the Go Radio Football Show that was Mick from uh, Cumbernauld talking Lee Griffiths at the end there could be a big player for Scotland coming up as well he could be added into the mix for Stevie Clark and co already successful what a week it's been and we're going to speak to one of the stars of the show coming up next the Bull Radio Football Show. Have your say. Call 0808-17-17-700. It's the football show that flies by. It certainly does every night, 5 till 7, Monday to Friday. Go Radio Football Show. And still time to get yourself involved as well, either at Go Football Show on the socials, 87474 on the text, or the phone number 0808 17 17 700. Uh, we've heard already in the show tonight from the former Rangers striker Andy Little looking ahead to Old Firm Time Saturday lunchtime. We've heard from uh, Neil Doncaster of the SPFL handing out a warning uh, about where people are going to be watching that match on TV at the weekend. Stay at home. His advice don't be thinking about uh, joining anybody elsewhere to watch it with uh, pubs shut of course in uh, Scotland's central belt what a week it has been for the national team it all started last Thursday night with that penalty shootout win against Israel followed by 1-0 results against Slovakia
Slovakia and then the Czech Republic and suddenly we're one win away from the European Championship finals and uh, not totally sure about this but I think we're one win away as well potentially from the, uh, the World Cup playoffs so suddenly it's all looking pretty good for the national team and uh, watching Scotland has become a much more pleasurable occasion than it maybe was previously. Let's speak to one of the stars of uh, the last week for Scotland. Uh, he's featured in all three games in the middle of that back three. Declan Gallagher is with us. Hi Declan. Hi, how you doing? Good, thank you. How much have you enjoyed uh, the last week, these Scotland games, as we've made serious progress? Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, as I've said before, playing for Scotland, playing for my country, it's a, it's a dream come true. But obviously, to cap it off with that week, uh, starting in all three games and winning all three games, it's, it's been excellent. I think you've got five caps at this stage. I mean, looking at you playing, you look as if you've had about 50 caps. You, you look really cool on the pitch. I mean, do you feel calm and cool playing for Scotland? Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel, I feel calm and cool. Obviously, there was a wee bit of uh, nerves before the first game against Israel. Uh, I think I had more butterflies than I've ever had before in my career, obviously, with the magnitude of the game. But... Uh, no, obviously I felt cool, calm, composed. The boys helped me a lot uh, through it, even though it was my, my third cap. The boys helped me and kept me calm, so I was happy with that. There seems to be a real togetherness in the camp. I mean, Ryan Fraser was uh, speaking about it, the man who got the only goal, of course, uh, last night. Um, there seems to be a really good bond, and, and I guess that that's always helped when, when you're part of a winning team. Yeah, definitely. Obviously winning does that to any team. Uh, I think obviously in the last three, four camps that I've been in, the squad hasn't changed too much, which obviously gives you another bit of togetherness. Obviously adding in a few boys here and there as well. So, uh, no, it's been great. And as I said, obviously you get that confidence from winning games and that's what we've been doing right now. So it's been great and it's been great to be part of. It's been a slow build, hasn't it? I mean, and uh, Stevie Clark clearly has had his own idea right from the start about what he wanted to build. And at times, maybe for some on the outside, it's been difficult to see. Um, but there's certainly hard evidence in front of us now uh, about the progress he's made. He's stuck to his beliefs um, and we've now seem to have a really good system in which we're very difficult to beat. Yeah, definitely. I think basically it was it was basically stripping it all away and going back to basics. I think it was it have to be hard to beat first. I think obviously in the past you probably looked at Scotland teams and games that you were maybe expected to win or maybe losing or getting a draw. And I think now uh, we've went back to basics. We became hard to beat. Stopped conceding a lot of goals, and then obviously now you can see that we're. We're pushing teams for wins, and uh, I think you can see that in the, the last couple of games. We might not have been pretty to watch, but at the end of the day, we're getting results, and that's what it's all about. Decky, how you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. How are good you? man. Listen, congratulations, super stuff. What um, what is the biggest difference, noticeable difference for you going from club football to international football? Because I used to do it as well, and the biggest thing I noticed was the concentration levels. You seem to. I used to come off the pitch sometimes with a throbbing headache because you were thinking all the time. You were looking. You're scanning more. Do you notice that yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think the concentration levels as a major part. Of it. We actually get told that is one of the bullet points before we actually play the game. It's don't go to sleep when you've not got the ball. Obviously, I think when you play club football, sometimes you can get away with that. You you maybe switch off for a couple of seconds, but 
when you play against these top class players for our country and stuff like that, there's there's no time at any point in the game where you can you can switch off because you know that they're always looking for that wee gap, they're always looking for that moment of weakness, as you may call it. And uh, obviously, without the ball, it's probably your most dangerous time. When you've got the ball, you, you have a chance, pass it about, maybe get a, a five-second breather in there. But uh, without it, no, you have to stay switched on constantly. And it's, it's more a, a mental toughness than it is a, a physical toughness. And you look at that back five last night, Rob and I were talking earlier on, the Scottish Premiership shows up well in it. Scott McTominay was the only one uh, from last night who hadn't played any top-flight football in Scotland. So you're flying the flag for the Scottish Premiership, the back five? Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, it shows a belief in our league as well and it shows that our league has got good players in it that can that can make that step up. Obviously, Andy Constantine, as I said, after his first game, it looked as if he'd played 50 caps for Scotland the way he <laughs> played it. It was excellent. And then... Obviously, Paul Hanlon coming in getting his first cap as well. So, a lot of boys inexperienced uh, at international level could obviously put myself in there as well with that one would be my fifth cap. And uh, I think they handled the pressure. The Czech Republic could a, a very, very good team. Obviously, a lot of Premiership players and a lot of boys playing in the high leagues for Czech Republic. And I thought we handled it well. We had our backs against the walls for a lot of the game. But at the end of the day, that's that, that mental toughness where... A lot of Scotland teams in the past may have may have crumbled, but we held on to a one 0 victory, and and that's what it's all about. That's what put us to the top of the Nations League group, and obviously one game away from topping that group. And the ma- oh, sorry, sorry. And the manager's got a couple of tough decisions to make next month. Some people couldn't make the squad for different reasons. The people have come in yourself, and uh, Andy Considine. You touched on Scott McTominay. The manager's got a, cu- a couple of tough choices. Yeah, definitely. I think he has. In the day, that's that's what we're there for. Obviously, we have to make it hard choices for him. But I think it's a, it's a good headache he's got. Now he's got a pool of players that he knows that he can trust and that he can put in whatever team he chooses to go with. Obviously, you've got a lot of experience that was missing the other night, as in Liam Cooper and Kieran Tierney. Obviously, Andy Robertson never played the last game. Scott McKenna then, as well. I mean, I was just looking at that, you know, in terms of the back three that played... Uh, the other night played last night. You've got you've got McKenna Cooper Tierney. You've got a whole new back three that that could come in. So there's serious competition back there. Yeah, exactly. And obviously that back three did well as well because they obviously got a result over in Czech Republic. So obviously the manager's got some things to do. He'll have a lot of thinking time to do over the next three four weeks until the the Serbia game. But uh, as I said before, I think it's a good headache that boys are now putting themselves in the frame for obviously that starting position and it's. It's something that he'll obviously be happy about that we're not conceding goals and that he's got a, a lot of defender options because I think obviously in the past uh, Scotland didn't have that options but I think now uh, me and Andy, as you said, we've, we've now put ourselves into contention for that. So it's, uh, it's a good headache, I'd say. Declan, it's Ali here. Um, I just want to to look back. It's been a difficult year for so many of us this year, but it's actually turned out to be quite a good one because on the same day you got your Scotland call up, you got to see uh, your little boy 20-week scan. How is your beautiful wife? Yeah, she's great. I think she was more nervous than what I was <laughs> for the Israel game. Uh, she basically said that if I was going to take a penalty she was going to turn the TV off and <laughs> if she said if I missed it then she wasn't going to speak to me again so I'm, <laughs> I'm happy it didn't reach that because uh, I think I put myself behind uh, David Marshall for the 12th penalty <laughs> so uh, 
No, she she was absolutely over the moon. All my family have been over the moon. My mum, my dad, and, and obviously my wife and my little girl. Um, everybody they were absolutely delighted for me, as well as everybody else in my family. So, uh, no, she's she's been delighted for me. She's actually down the stairs listening to this just now because of nothing <laughs> that she misses. So, uh, she told me, she said, go up the stairs, speak politely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, right, okay. Well, you've done I'll well. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you've, you've done well on that score. You, you don't have much time to recover, do you? You don't have much time for celebration, even if that was something that you were contemplating doing uh, because you're, you're in action in, in Paisley on, on Saturday. Yeah, well, uh, me and Stephen O'Donnell were back in with the, the Motherwell boys today. Uh, the manager wanted us in just to get a, a little cool down, get the legs going again. Obviously, just wanted to see how we were in general. And he, he got a masseur in as well for most of the boys just to, to make sure we're all right and to, to get us ready for Saturday. So the gaffer's, the gaffer's really good that way. And they also said, obviously, it'll help me with a few days off after the, the St. Martin game and stuff like that. So, uh, no, the gaffer's been good with us. So, but it was good to go back in, back to club football, see the boys, and then obviously preparing for Saturday now, which is a massive game for us. I mean, Craig's was speaking about the, the success story of the SPFL, no doubt about it. But just looking at even at your club, I mean, to have, to have two Motherwell players in the back five, incredible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that's obviously testament to the coaching staff at Motherwell. Um, they've been great. They've been great with me especially, uh, helping my game every day and stuff like that. Uh, the gaffer's been excellent for me. As, as you can see, he's he could be an interma- international manager himself. Obviously, be getting the interview with the, the Northern Ireland job. As I've said before many times, I believe that he's the best manager in the, in the league. And he's anyway, and he's one of the main reasons why I ended up getting my call up. Talking of managers, how close is the Stevie Clark we see to the to the Stevie Clark you see behind the scenes? Um, well, I, I think a lot of people when they, when they probably watch him on the TV, they probably think that he doesn't uh, he doesn't smile too often. But uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've seen from from this camp that he smiles quite a lot actually, <laughs> winning games. Yeah. So uh, no, I've I've, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, working with him. Uh, he's, he's been really good with me, obviously as a defender and the way he likes to play obviously he likes to play like sitting in and then being prepared to press and being brave at the back sometimes that you have to go man for man but also gives you the chance to have that bit of security with the free at the back so uh, no he's always helping me he's always uh, he's always keeping giving new information and he works tirelessly behind the scenes so uh, no it's been great to work with him and he's totally believed, hasn't he, all the way through, even through the dark days um, about the system that he was convinced would work out for Scotland? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think at one stage with, with all the call-offs, he was actually thinking about maybe changing it, but then he just thought to himself it was working, everybody knew the system, we'd worked on it uh, the last couple of camps, so he thought that was the best way to go, and it's worked, and I believe that that system was was very good for us. Obviously, a lot of people have got their doubts about the the three five two or the five three two, whatever way you want to see it. But at the end of the day, that's three clean sheets we've just kept there. So, and we're in a 
unbeaten run of eight so you can't complain too much about it I wonder too whether it's been beneficial for Scotland to have three games it's, it's unusual it's not, I don't think it's happened before has it that there have been three internationals uh, during a break three games in a week but when you're trying to get a new philosophy across and you're, you're trying to firm up on, on your beliefs about the system and getting it all to work and everybody to be comfortable in it maybe maybe three games in a, in a short space of time is no bad thing um, uh, you can make it both ways. I think a lot of club managers are probably sitting there thinking <laughs> three games in a week yeah. and they're all distraught hoping their players don't get injured. But uh, no, three games in a week gives them plenty of time to obviously get across his points of view because obviously two games in a week you don't really get too much time on the training part considering when you play a game then boys are having to do their recovery. Some boys are training. So to have his probably 10 days with three games it gave him a lot of chances to to work on the back three and obviously as I said before uh, going into that eight game unbeaten run uh, the confidence is growing everybody in the camp you can feel the energy's coming back and it's becoming a proud nation again Yeah it's funny Dick we were talking about it earlier Rob and I and we were just saying that the players actually look as if they're enjoying themselves you know even the after match interviews there's a smile on the players faces they really believe in what they're doing but that only comes from winning games you know, Steve Clark had said that that you know he wants Scotland to be more resilient, harder to play against, but he wants players to enjoy it. And as long as you're winning games, players will be enjoying it. Yeah, definitely. I think at the end of the day, some players maybe come off the park and think, oh, maybe didn't touch a ball, we didn't play as much. But at the end of the day, when you come off the park with a 1-0 win, you walk into that changing room and obviously you know what it's like. Craig's mm-hmm. like, the tunes are blaring <laughs> and all the boys are happy because you've got that 1-0 victory, you're top of a group and you're you've got a playoff final to look forward to you don't really care what you've done in the game that night as long as you get that victory and all the boys are happy then that's all that really matters because at the end of the day all anybody ever remembers is the results and obviously how the people how the country's doing and at the end of the day the country's sitting at the top of a group which is obviously a very hard group and uh We've got a playoff final to get into a major competition. So and, and, and you the have squ- to be with that. And the squad, Declan, can get even stronger as well. I mean, we mentioned McKenna, Cooper and Tierney in terms of another back three, but the likes of uh, Christie and Armstrong and Forrest to come back and maybe Lee Griffith soon will be ready to join, rejoin the international fold as well. And, uh, you know, it, it's massive competition for places. You know, we, we, were, we were looking at the squad and thinking it was threadbare previously and we were wondering about problem areas. And now it's, it's actually going to be a real headache for Stevie Clark to pick the team. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that's only good for Scotland. And again, obviously good for Scottish football, the more boys that can get called up from the, obviously the SPFL. So, and the day, as a as a headache, but everybody now needs to be on top of the form and everybody needs to want to be there and want to play for their country. There's no more time for passengers and people just getting picked on who they play for. I think now that's been proven that boys can come from the Scottish League or the English League or whatever and they, they can make that step up. So it's, it's good for Scottish football all around and it's good for the the national team well done to you you've been a joy to watch and the team's been a joy to watch in the in the last uh, week or so um, and um, onwards and upwards to you both with uh, a club and country Declan good to good to have you on the show thanks very much thanks for having me all the best big man it. cheers Declan Thank you. Motherwell in Scotland defender Declan Gallagher on the Go Radio Football Show the Go Radio Football Show have your say call 0808 17 17 700 let's go
Well, hopefully Mrs Gallagher uh, was happy that he spoke politely enough to us. I think he did. And uh, what a performance uh, from Declan Gallagher. What a player he's become, Craig's. Um, yeah. f- he's become a real Scotland hero, hasn't he? Well, he has. And, you know, he said it there himself. The way Scotland's set up and the way they've played has suited him. You know, he wants to defend his box. He wants to go and head the ball. He can be aggressive. He's got players around about him. And I just think it's a system that seems to suit the players that they have available. You know, we spoke about it before, didn't we? Would he go with the back four? Would he go with the back three? They've worked on it. You can see they've worked on it. But you're right, Stevie Clark has stuck to his guns. You know, and yeah, he lost some players, but he didn't lose faith in the ones he was bringing in. And when you get your opportunity, you've got to take it. Declan certainly took it the other night, as did Andy Considine. So, um, yeah, a really strong performance from him. And I just hope now, it's the mental challenge of going from that high of playing for your country Almost, you know, those three games, three clean sheets, victories, everybody giving you all this plaudits and then suddenly you're back to club football and that's when you've really got to switch on. That's a challenge I faced loads of times, Rob, coming back from international games and you were, not, you were buzzing with yourself and suddenly you had a lower key game and the atmosphere wasn't the same or, the, you know, just things were different. So it's, it's vitally important for Declan and for Stephen O'Donnell, particularly on Saturday, just to get that switch right and get back on club football. We'll maybe speak a little bit more before we're finished about uh, Scotland. It's, uh, there's no problem speaking about Scotland at the moment. I could do it all night long, to be honest, and uh, might well do. But let's speak uh, for the moment about that Celtic Rangers game, the big match coming up in the Premiership. Lots of big matches coming up at the weekend, of course. Dundee United, Aberdeen, Hamilton, St Johnston, Livingston, Kilmarnock, Ross County, Hibs and St Mirren, uh, Motherwell. It all starts with uh, Celtic and Rangers on Saturday lunchtime. Neil Lennon, the Celtic manager, has been uh, talking today on uh, the back of uh, COVID interference in his plans, of course, with the likes of Neil Beaton and uh, Hatem Elhamed, the, the Israeli peer, and of course Ryan Christie, uh, ruled out because of the virus. Well, I, I think in some of the, the individual situations, you know, you know, I'm not going to go into, you know, each individual case, but certainly from our perspective, you know, on some of the players that um, it definitely could have been avoided. Some you know, it's just in the lap of the gods, really. But then, um, you know, on a couple of occasions with, with our players, I think the, the situation could have been handled a lot better. Neil Lennon not uh, sounding too chuffed uh, about some of his players being ruled out and maybe looking at uh, protocols and procedures elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing because it's such a big game for him, but also the fact that he's talking about how well Celtic have handled the situation. And when you do pass your players over to the international squads, not that they're not following the protocols and, 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 and following the rules, but something obviously has gone amiss. And even Odson Edward going to the French side, something's gone amiss. And he's the one's having to suffer. He's having to adjust things round about. Plus, he's got a couple of injuries. Um, he's got a couple of players coming back from international duty who've played a lot of minutes. So, he, you know, he has to be selfish. He has to look after him and his club and his players. So that's why he's a little bit frustrated. So I just wonder, will talks take place over the next few weeks? Because there's another international window coming up, I think, in 20, November. 27 or 28 days. Yeah. You know, before the before the playoffs kick off again. So I'm sure that's something that uh, Neil Lennon will, will speak about. So would Celtic potentially stop players from travelling? It's down to personal preference from the player. It's very difficult for me to say, look, you're not going to play for your country. That's something I would never want to do to a player. But... You know, these are unprecedented times and we're in a you know, very, very difficult situation. You know, even at home now, it looks like the virus seems to be ramping itself up again. So ideally, we, we don't want them to travel. You know, we're not going to point the finger at them and say, look, you can't go. Because, you know, with the next round of games, some of the players are going to be playing in very important games for their country. And we want them to represent their country, we want them to do well, but not 
totally at our expense on the way back. Yeah, and we saw that uh, in the case of Neil Beaton, didn't we? Because uh, Neil Lennon was pretty much ruling him out mm-hmm. of, of certainly playing in the first of, of Israel's games uh, during the international break. And of course, he, he did play against Scotland and uh, was fairly open about it as well, wasn't he, Neil Beaton, in, in saying that uh, it, was just a, it, was a, it was too big a game for him not to want to be involved in. And I understand that, Rob, because you work ever so hard as a professional footballer and you get the chance to play for your country, you get the chance to potentially take your club or sorry, your country, a step closer to a major championship and you want to be part of that. So sometimes players are selfish, no doubt about it. But again, back to Neil Lennon, you know, he has to be selfish as well. He has to, you know, he has to ask the players about their club commitments, what they're doing, the club pay the wages. But players do have that final say. Um, You just wonder, is it a relationship that will be tarnished moving forward? Because he's, you know, he's went against... Neil Lennon's wishes okay he's having to self-isolate because of the coronavirus so maybe he might have been fit and fine to come back and play in the old firm game but the fact that he went against his word it seems it was a little bit of a, a public spat So it is what it is in terms of the, the players that uh, Neil Lennon has available to him on Saturday and uh, one other certainty of course about the fixture sadly is no fans well, it's it's huge. You know, I think it's a huge ingredient that's going to be missing the electricity and the atmosphere, the the rawness, the noise, the colour. You know, all that's going to be missing. So, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be, you know, a derby that we've never seen before. I think it's very difficult for this generation in the derby. On many times, is they'll miss the noise, you know, and they'll miss that sort of edge that you know these games bring. So we've got to try and. Devise their own edge, comes from self motivation, obviously, the motivation that we try and derive for it as well. It's one for the, the players to get their heads around, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, obviously, the, the Celtic and Rangers players have already sampled football with, with no fans, but, but this is going to be completely weird, yeah. isn't it, at Celtic Park, where normally uh, you can't hear yourself think, suddenly you're hearing everything. It's going to be surreal for them. You know, that's what we spoke about. Some players may lose that edge because they like playing in the on the edge of the game they like that atmosphere they like the tension that goes with it they like the build up you know, it just excites them it brings out the best in them and I, I, I was kind of trying to work out who it suits best for no crowd to be there initially I thought Rangers because they're the away side they wouldn't have the ferocious Celtic support you know jeering and, and putting them under pressure um, but then looking at it if Neil Lennon can't get his first choice 11 on the pitch they don't have to go and force the game. They don't have to go chasing the game because normally the home side in the old firm game, the fans demand you go after the ball, you have to drive at every occasion. Whereas if they go ahead or there's 10 minutes to go and they're drawn, they might just sit in, they might just sit behind the ball and think, well, there you go, you know, the Rangers, you can have the ball, you can come and try and break us down. Whereas in a normal old firm game, if that was 59,000 Celtic fans, they wouldn't be happy with that. So it'd just be amazing to see how the, how the dynamic of the game changes with no supporters being there. Yeah, I mean, in every game at the moment, uh, as a player, you have to create your own intensity in the game. But but this in this fixture of all fixtures, it becomes really difficult because you in this fixture you probably rely on riding along on the mm. atmosphere to a fair degree. Well, you do, and you know, Andy Little, I think, put it perfectly earlier that it may just be a better game of football, you know, because there's not that intensity there that players may take an extra touch. You know, they don't have the fear of the crowd on their back whether you're the home side or the away side, you know, you don't want to get rid of the ball quickly because, you know, you don't have that fear of, of the pressure coming from the supporters so they may take an extra touch, they may play an extra pass. It may actually be a better football game. 
But there's no doubt it's not going to be the same old firm game that we've been used to over the years. Uh, and it'll be interesting to hear the players' thoughts after, the manager's thoughts after. Because, you know, Lee Lennon and Stephen Gerrard like being in the age as well. You know, they like that that kind of atmosphere. You know, Neil Lennon said it there. The electricity that it brings. You know, they like that side of it as well. So you know, there's no doubt they'll miss it. This has been a bizarre build-up for Celtic, no doubt about it. Um, much more straightforward for Rangers, uh, you would have to say. No COVID interference mm-hmm. as far as they're concerned. And maybe not too many players away on international duty compared to Celtic. Yeah, you know, when you look at Rangers star players this season so far, Ryan Kent, um, James Tavernier, Connor Goldson have been mainstays in the side and have performed very well. They haven't had to do any travelling. They'll be fresh, they'll be fit, you know. Uh, Cedric Gittin uh, Kemar Roof is he going to be fit you know so they haven't had a lot of mileage to cover even Steve Davis didn't play on Wednesday night for Northern Ireland didn't play last night for Northern Ireland so he's back fresh Glenn Kamara only played two games you know Cal McGregor played on Wednesday night Ran, uh, Ran Christie can't play uh, Shane Duffy and, and Christopher Ayer played 390 minutes you know they're big guys they're big big frames to carry about role for 90 minutes in three games and then you've got what two days recovery and you're back into high intensity or could be a high intensity old firm game so you just wonder which way is it favouring you know I think you said the bookies are probably favouring ranges because of the freshness but this is when it just might suit Celtic they might just think well that's fine we'll adapt our game slightly different we'll not go chasing you we'll allow you to have the ball we'll counter attack we'll play for set plays you know, as Martin O'Neill used to do at times for Celtic and you know, we can just see this over I think if Celtic win the game it would be a huge psychological blow to Rangers because they feel as if they're in a good place they're playing well you know they can still recover from it but they will see this as a game and think if we can win this at Celtic Park you know when they're slightly weak or weaker than what they would be it could really give them an edge in the game you know that that belief they need to try and push on Let's touch on uh, some of the other games on Saturday. Dundee United against Aberdeen is interesting because uh, that used to be a, a massive rivalry between those two and it's been quite a few years uh, since those two went head-to-head. And, and Dundee United, who started the season so well under, under Mickey Mellon, um, have, have tailed off. I don't think there's too much doubt no. about that and they struggled in the League Cup the, with Go Radio opposition. Uh, the Go Radio football show was in evidence when uh, Peter Head beat yep. them um, followed by a, a 1-0 victory against Barry Fergus and Kelty Hearts. Yeah, it's funny with the League Cup games I always feel that you know, particularly the top flight clubs when they go into the competition that the only way they'll make headlines is if they lose. You know, Ross County didn't play great against uh, Montrose. I think they won on penalties didn't play great the other night against our broth but they got the win so nobody really talks about it Hibs last weekend against Cove Rangers you know had to come from a goal down they only scored late to beat Forfar so if you win those games nobody really talks about it but it's just you know it's when they lose them and against Peterhead then suddenly the pressure starts to ramp up a little bit on Mickey Mellon but listen it's great to have the the Dundee United Aberdeen fixture back it is just a shame because it would have been a full house no doubt about it wouldn't Aberdeen would have come down yeah you know, and brought the support with them. They feel as if they're in a good place at this moment in time. So it is one of the great Scottish fixtures. Just unfortunately, there won't be any supporters there to watch it. Yeah, the Aberdeen squad already looking really impressive, and mm. and they're about to welcome back the likes of Matty Kennedy and and Michael Devlin. Sam Cosgrove's mm. not too far away as well. I think well. they miss Kennedy. Yeah, I think they miss Kennedy. You, you think back to what their best performance of the season certainly for me when I watched was at Easter Road when they had Johnny Hayes on one side, did Matty Kennedy on the other, did energy, did pace, to drive up that right-hand side or the left-hand side with Johnny Hayes. So I think having him back, Rob, just gives Derek McInnes that better balance and having Ross McCrory just sitting in front of that back four, 
you know, he really has done good business this summer, Derek McInnes. Hamilton against St Johnston on Saturday, and I guess Callum Davidson will be feeling feeling a whole lot better having seen his team score seven uh, the other night. Yes, it was maybe against opposition that um, that questions, you know, how good they had to be on the night. But it's just scoring goals, isn't it? It's winning yeah. games and scoring goals, and they haven't done enough of that. No, they haven't. And you know, you look back at their last fixture though against Celtic, and they actually played quite well. You know, they had the chance at nil nil just after half time. Mick was on earlier on talking about it when when they hit the post then they conceded two late goals and it probably takes away from the performance but they just need to somehow grind a win out that's what it's all about just dig deep find a win from somewhere you know Hamilton lost last time out as well against Hibs so they'll be looking to bounce back but you know St Johnson need to kickstart their season and if they can get themselves a victory they could be off and running Livingston against Kilmarnock was the one of course that uh, Kelly were looking to have pushed back uh, a little because of uh, their problems with virus affected players and self-isolation and all the rest of it Ross County against Hibs in Dingwall uh, is on Saturday the game we mentioned with Declan Gallagher a little while ago as well Motherwell are in Paisley to play St Mirren on Saturday but before we go Crags just want to get your closing thoughts with uh, less than 48 hours to go to what's going to happen at Celtic Park Saturday lunchtime well it's going to be surreal it's going to be different that's just on the pitch let's hope the supporters off the pitch do both clubs proud don't do anything silly don't do anything stupid and let's hope we can get supporters back into football as soon as possible let's hope on Saturday night we're talking about the football on the pitch and not what happened off the pitch and who's going to make a statement on the pitch <laughs> you were trying, I know you were trying to sidestep away I from gen- that I, I generally don't know Rangers are the, seem to be the informed side everybody's talking about them they're saying they're playing great this could be right up Celtic Street I expect a strong defensive performance it'll be a battle of wills no doubt about it it'll be a battle of styles and uh, whoever's the bravest whoever has the most courage will win the game Stephen Cragen, Ali Defoy, Rob McLean saying hope you've enjoyed the show and we're all back in business with the Go Radio Football Show tomorrow at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Have your say. Call 0808 17 17 700. Let's go.